Life Audio. If I were to ask you, what is your hope based on? What would you say? Because the thing about hope is, even though it's not something that's tangible, meaning we can't pick it up and hold it physically, it is something that we cling to emotionally and even spiritually. But hope is only as good as the thing that we're hoping in. And if we're hoping in religion or we're hoping in our our pastor or we're hoping in a human relationship, that's not something that's going to last. The only kind of hope that lasts is the hope that is built on God. And so today what we're doing is we're unpacking Psalm 102 and we're looking at this idea of hope and making sure that the place that we are placing our hope is in fact something that's going to last for all of eternity. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are going through Psalm 102 as we are continuing our Psalm series. And if you're just joining us, we're doing a devotional reading through the Psalms, not to replace your Bible reading, but to supplement it. And I find that it's really helpful to gather some of the insights around the history and the culture. That helps me understand things so much better because while the Bible was written for us, it was not written to us. And so sometimes because it was written to an original audience that lived in a different time frame and a different space. There's so many things about what they knew to be true that is lost on us unless we do a little bit of studying. And so many of us don't know where to look. We don't know how that's relevant to our lives. And so my goal is really just to kind of help you understand God's word more clearly. Of course, we are going through the Psalms because that was really the Psalm book and the prayer book and the hymn book of Jesus. If you would like to follow along with us every Monday, I send out a newsletter where I give journaling prompts and a key verse to to you through for free through that email newsletter, just to kind of help you give you uh, a way to just get the information from your head and into your heart. I don't know about you, but for me, journaling is a really helpful tool and it helps me process the things I'm thinking and learning. Those, like I said, they're for free every Monday. Those go out. If you would like the previous journaling prompts, you can pick those up at shehears.org on the resources page. We have them in sets of 50. And it's just a really good guided journal that includes a link to the audio devotional, the guided journaling question, the key verse, and some space for journaling. And you can either print those out or do them like on an iPad or a device, something like that. So again, something that might be helpful for you just as another resource. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 102 from the NIV, starting in verse 1. And the title of this psalm is A Prayer of an Afflicted Person Who Has Grown Weak and Pours Out a Lament Before the Lord. 
Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like glass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse, for I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. Because of your great wrath, for you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come, for her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. Then nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth. To hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. So I said, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded, but you remain the same and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. So as we're reading, there's a lot. This is, this is kind of a heavy psalm for us to read through today. But if we were to summarize this with a big idea, we would say that while we live in a world that is constantly changing, God remains the same. I'm so thankful for that fact. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is how we can depend on that as a source of our hope. And then we also recognize that this is an is, is a lament. It's an individual lament. And we've talked a lot about lament in the past. But there's three things that the psalmist is expressing distress about. The first is God's anger that is directed against Israel. So this would have been written in the post-exile time frame and Israel lies in ruins. He's also lamenting about the insults that he is receiving from his enemies. And then also the third thing is the thought of how quickly life passes by for humanity. If you think about lament and you trace it back to the whole, you know, book of the Bible, Lamentations, that is full of lament. Lamentations, basically, Lamentations 1, 2, 4, and 5 are personifications of Jerusalem. And so Lamentations 3, which is the center lament of Lamentations, it's when the nation is lamenting her fate. And so kind of like Lamentations 3, what Psalm 102 does is it's depicting the speaker, the psalmist, as the destitute mentioned in verse 17, or the prisoner, and or those condemned to death in verse 20. And so those are all plausible figures for a personification. And so what we're learning is as 
we're definitely seeing this as a personal lament. It also represents Jerusalem and the imagery of destruction and the the exile. And there is a lot in this passage or in this this psalm that we're going to see has a dual meaning. It, it it means something for the destruction and restoration of Zion as God's holy temple, and then it's a city that is resuming this kind of first person lament where it's recognizing, okay, my life is in ruins. This city is in shambles, but our hope is in the God who does not change, who the God who's going to allow us outlast all of this. So I don't know if that's helpful for you, but it's helpful for me, for me to think about this in terms of not just the personal elements, but the, the larger ramifications of Jerusalem. And I'll remind you as we go too. So in verse one, it says, hear my prayer, Lord. And so that verb is emphatic as in like, Lord, please hear my prayer. I think that's uh, something that is so common when we are going through a heavy season where it's not just, okay, hear my prayer, Lord, I want you to listen to me. It's we're on our knees, we're begging God to hear us. And so that's kind of what sets the tone for the rest of this psalm. In verse 3, it says, my days vanish like smoke. And what this refers to is the days of suffering when his life is seeming to just vanish away and he's calling on God for help. And then he goes and he says, my bones burn like glowing embers. So this could be a couple things. It could be an allusion to a fever. And that kind of suggests that there's a physical illness going on. It could be an allusion to a description of an emotion. And so, you know, we know that the psalmist is suffering from these emotional and physical problems, um, the emotional problems being the heaviest. And so it could be both. Um, that, That phrase there, the glowing embers could refer to both. In verse four, it says, my heart is blighted and withered like grass. These are metaphors that, again, are building on body parts. But like the statement when it says, I forget to eat my food, it's talking also about the emotional interpretation of the suffering. And we have to keep in mind that this is also personification of Jerusalem. And so there's this physical element of suffering meaning like the city is in ruins, but there's also this emotional element of suffering. In verse five, it says, I am reduced to skin and bones. And so that literally means my bone is cleaving to my flesh or my skin. And so while that sounds like a physical disease, he's also speaking from a place of grief. And if you've ever walked through grief, you know that that can also cause us to be emaciated. Um, grief is something that impacts our bodies as well as our spirits and our, and our emotions. We're going to take a minute to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll unpack the rest of this psalm. Stay tuned. So in verse 6, it's talking about the desert owl. And there were lots of species of owls in this time frame. But what we're learning is that there's this fact that regardless of what species it is, the owl was a ritually unclean bird. And so that may be an allusion to the fact that he himself is unclean 
meaning he's isolated or he's lonely like an unclean bird. And he may even be crying out in pain. And, you know, when you're going through grief, you you cry, you have screeching sounds, you go through all those emotions. There's a verbal manifestation of your grief. And so, again, if this is a personification of Jerusalem, which is now in ruins, a richly unclean bird is an appropriate metaphor because there's this isolation, this devastation that has happened as a result. It mentions the ruins. And so that, again, could have a double meaning. The ruins where the owl dwells, the, the desert owl, and it can also mean the ruins of the temple. And so Jerusalem could be lamenting the lonely ruins of the city. In verse 8, it says, all day long my enemies taunt me. And so the psalmist is really talking about um, the subject of the previous seven verses. And so what he's doing now, we see this transition. He's turning his attention to the enemies that react to his troubles, really in a way of like taunting them. And he, if he's speaking for this suffering community, the enemies that he's talking about are most likely the other surrounding nations. In verse 11, it says the evening shadow, and that literally means stretched out or lengthened shadow. And that is an allusion to approaching death. And so that is similar to what we learn from or what we hear from Job, where Job perceives that God has treated him in the same way. It's the same kind of uh, concept. You can read about that in Job chapter 30. And so if there's a personal interpretation, there's also a corporate interpretation where it's really describing Yahweh's treatment of Jerusalem. Uh, they're lamenting. And, and while we know that God is a just God and much of what they have suffered is a consequence of their own behavior, there's also this sense where he is lamenting. And, you know, if you have ever walked through grief and have been in a place of lament, even if you know that it is a consequence of your own actions, you still come to that place of why, why God. And if you've never been in that place, I thank the Lord for that. But for those of us that have, that is a really common emotion to have. In verse 12 and 13, it says, but you Lord sit enthroned forever. It's talking about why the kingship of Yahweh is the reason that Yahweh can intervene on Zion's behalf. And so while Yahweh isn't specifically called a king in this psalm, that verb when he's talking about to sit is the language of kingship. And so we see um, that similar parallel back in Lamentations chapter 5. And when it's talking about Yahweh being enthroned, it's again, kingship language where he's ruling over the kings of the earth and he's eternal. And as he's enthroned, he's on high. And so the language of Yahweh's kingship throughout all of book four of the Psalms is part of this strategy where we're shifting this emphasis from David's dynasty, his failed dynasty, to Yahweh's kingship, which is the kingship that's going to last for eternity. And the reason why we look forward to Jesus as the coming and ultimate king. In verse 15, it says the nations will fear the name of the Lord. And so the subject now, again, is transitioning to the nations. And for the nations that fear the name of the Lord, 
It's because Yahweh can restore Zion and those surrounding nations can see that and they recognize Yahweh's power, God's power. In verse 18, it says, let this be written for a future generation. And so this is this concept that was so powerful for them. And it's really powerful for us too, writing down what, what God has done, because that's a way to remember and sh- and help the future generations know that God has acted on their behalf throughout history, which I think there's a lot of uh, application for us today for that. In verses 20 through 22, it says, release those that are condemned to death. So this, that word this in verse 18 is referring to these three events mentioned here in these verses. So it's mentioning this means the release of the exiles. It means the restoration of Jerusalem and it means the restoration of the temple. In verses 23 and 24, it talks about in the course of my life, he broke my strength. And that literally means he afflicted me in the way of my strength. So if the city is speaking, if this is a personification of the city, the city is saying that the Lord has cut her life short in the, in her prime. And so this prayer is comparing the psalmist years which are being cut short to Yahweh's years, which are going to, of course, endure throughout all the, all the generations that, you know, he's everlasting. So it's a comparison of how quickly the things of this earth, whether it is the psalmist's personal life or the, the prime of the city, how quickly those things are cut short in comparison to, to how eternal God is. In 25 through 27, it talks about in the beginning. So, of course, that's a allusion to creation. And so because God created the heavens and earth, um, he also controls them. But it's important to remember that they're not eternal. God is eternal, but the earth, humankind, humanity, the thing that is created as the creator has created his creation. Creation is not eternal. God still controls the creation. And then finally, in verse 28, it says, the children of your servants will live in your presence. So we have to read this in light of the other verses in this passage, where we observe that the God who created the heavens has also looked down from this sanctuary, his throne on high. And then he's had um, compassion on the prisoners and those that were condemned to death. And so he is, of course, we know uh, eternal and he's omnipotent, but he still has pity on his creation, this humanity. And even though they're guilty, even though much of what they're experiencing now is a consequence of their own actions. He still is moved by mercy and compassion. And so that phrase in your presence in the second half of the verse could be an allusion to the new temple. And so the sense of the text is really about the security for future generations. So the children of your servants will dwell securely and your descendants will be established before you. That is really just this idea of there's something to look forward to because of God's nature. He's, he's going to have compassion on us. And then eventually what we, what do we know? We know that eventually he sends Jesus. So we come back to this idea of hope. We know that God does not change. 
God is, is eternal. And so that provides us the stability in this world that is constantly changing in the things that we lament and we grieve over, over. That is what is becoming our hope for the future. Because hope has to be based on something. Otherwise, it's a false hope. If I put all my hope in a person, when that, what happens when that person messes up? That's a false hope. If I put my hope in my career, what happens when the company downsizes or, you know, COVID happens and everybody's locked inside their houses? Th- that's a false hope. We have to make sure that while hope doesn't have to be something tangible that you can hold on to, it has to be substantial. It has to be based on something that's real. And so this psalm really leans into this idea of hope in God's character, because that does not change. And so even eventually, if if this earth wears away, and it is, you know, we know it's temporary, God will remain. And he has no end. And so our hope is placed in the God that does not change, in the God that will last, in a God that is eternal, in a God that loves us, in a God that has mercy on us, in a God that restores and redeems all things. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read starting at verse one. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I've become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion. For it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. For her stones are dear to your servants. Her dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. So I said, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded, but you remain the same and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. God, we thank you for the hope that is eternal because it rests in you. God, help us to recognize the ways that we may have had a false hope, hope in a career, a hope in a person, or hope in a relationship. Lord God, help us to 
exchange that false hope for true hope in you. The God that is eternal, the God that controls creation, the God that looks down and has mercy and compassion and redeems and restores all things. God, help our hope to be in you. Lord, I pray for my friend today. I pray that you would overwhelm them with the sense of hope that they can have because of who you are. And I thank you that you sent Jesus to rescue us from this mess that we've made of the world. Lord, help us to recognize your hand as you continue to call us close to yourself. Lord, I thank you for your word and the treasure that it is as it reveals your character and nature to us. We thank you and praise you in all things. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little bit of one-on-one? I don't know about you, but sometimes when I go through the scriptures or I go through the biblical concepts, I find myself thinking, okay, but how do I actually apply that in my life? Or if you've come to this podcast, it's likely because you desire to hear Jesus more clearly, to be confident in what he's saying in your life, the way he's leading you. I want you to know that I offer life coaching and spiritual direction. And while the two are similar, they're also kind of different. Life coaching is when we set goals and, and I help hold you accountable and help break those down into bite-sized manageable pieces to help you achieve those goals. But spiritual direction takes it one step further. We invite Jesus into the process. And through spiritual direction, the goal of that really is to help you hear God's voice more clearly. And so there's things that we will do like prayer projects and spiritual gifts testing and a life map and all sorts of things to help you get to a place where you can see this thread of redemption that God has woven throughout your life. And then also to set you up so that you can hear God's voice for yourself. Because ultimately, the reason why I do the the podcast and I write the books and I have all the resources available is because I want you to settle into this place where you are confident in knowing the difference between God's voice, your own voice, and the enemy's voice. So if that sounds like something that you would like to do, um, life coaching right now runs about $97 for an hour. If that's for one person. I also have group rates available. And if you want to schedule that, it's if you go to shehears.org, you can go, there's a Calendly link where it says work with me and you can set up a time that works for you. I would count it an honor and a privilege to be able to walk alongside of you in that process. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.